With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am miserable, but I am sat here with two people that bring me much joy. I've got Matt Candela. Matt Candela, how are you doing? You're looking very podcast today. Yeah, no, um, I'd love to say I was good, but uh, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what we've just watched. Uh, no doubt we'll dissect it for uh the next hour or so but uh yeah feeling feeling good but lots to be worried about johnny the arsenal opinion podcast law says that you usually know what type of arsenal you're going to get after two minutes i usually know what type of johnny we're going to get just by looking at your face johnny cochran how are you doing today welcome (laughs) welcome back (laughs) Uh, well i'm pleased to i'm pleased to say see that my um poker face is that bad that after two minutes you know what you're getting from me well fair enough um but I, I, I mean, after performances like that, then it's predictable what you're going to get from me because it felt predict it felt predictable in a way that, as Matt hinted at, we haven't really felt for a while like a typical Arsenal insipid performance where we just looked toothless. But um, you know, the weird thing is, we did actually carry some threat. But I would also caveat that with, you know, it didn't look inevitable that we'd score. It was one of those like, I hope we can. But I'm not sure we're going to even be able to. And disappointing from a number of performers today, you know, usually some of our talisman just didn't show up in this game. And this is a big game. It's not just, it doesn't have to be playing against Man City or Liverpool for it to be a big game. Burnley at home is a big game when you've got our kind of um, aims and ambitions. But yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get into that as the further we go. But the fact is, is, yeah, it's disappointing. So there's your two-minute soundbite. Johnny is disappointed. <laughs> Johnny is disappointed. Okay, well, let's not let's not mess around. Let's not fluff 
Let's not fluff today. Let's just get right into it. Matt Candela, I'm going to you with the hottest of takes. Look, the hottest of takes is that we needed to get three points today. That was that was it. And it was one of those weekends where we could sort of set ourselves up for the second half of the season because Spurs have been on a great run, but they've got their bogey team uh, that they're kicking off against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in 20 minutes. We had a home game. Our home form has been superb. And it just felt like the opportunity for us to gain three points on Tottenham potentially today. And we blew it. And now we have to watch that game very nervously. I've heard some people suggesting that a draw would be a good result. The only result that works is a Chelsea win. Because there's no doubt that we're not battling with Chelsea for Champions League. Chelsea are getting in the Champions League next year. We're battling with Spurs. And we've just got to stay in touch right now because our form is so poor. Uh, and 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 just stay in touch and hope that reinforcements arrive in the next week, uh, because without those, I I fear for us. So uh, very very disappointing afternoon. It was all about the result. It wasn't about the performance today. We've had some good performances and lost today. I didn't care whether we played badly and got three points, and in the end, we played okay and got one. Johnny, 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 hit us with uh, with the hot take. What went wrong? Um. So. Where to start? Now, I don't want to come out and just kind of pan players, but some people are going to have to get it today, in, you know, one way or another. I'm going to start with a guy who I don't want to pan him overall. I still think he has potential. But when we talked about young players in the past, the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, and they play beyond their age, they look like senior players in terms of their output on the pitch and their ability to lead. Well, unfortunately, with Sambi Lakonga, he plays young. He plays like a young player. He, he doesn't have the capability at this stage to take control of a game. And whilst I was hopeful of, you know, seeing a potential partnership with him and Party, maybe flourish and him learning on the job with Party, that's not happening for a number of different reasons, not least we keep getting midfielders sent off. Um, but ultimately, when you've got Lukonga in there in the middle, you cannot hope to be playing. I mean, look, Burnley aren't even one of the best teams in the league. They're, they're far from it. They'll do well to stay up. And if you're playing up against people like Dwight McNeil, Aaron Lennon in his sixth or seventh club, you know, you've got to be able to, to, to bully games like this. And there are some people who look like they were capable. I thought Martin Erdegaard, again, looked busy, industrious. I liked what he was about, again. But as much as I've bigged him up in recent weeks, Saka who I do think overall is our best player, looked poor today. Everything he was doing, he looked he looked flat. He looked like he just couldn't get going. And still, he looked like one of our most dangerous players. But that was more indicative of the fact that we were carrying little threat outside of, you know, one or two players doing something special. Um, and to wrap up my hottest of takes, broadly speaking, I think everyone's going to come away from this knowing, knowing, that we need reinforcements now. It's not, it's not a, oh, yeah, it would be nice to... We are not going to get top four with this current playing squad. We do need backup. We need it badly, actually. And we can't keep waiting around because the more games that come and go, I mean, it's going to take us up to the end of January anyway, but we do need backup. And we also need backup heavily up front as a striking option. One of the most standout moments of that whole game was a miss from Lacazette, which, quite frankly... You know, we didn't, we weren't at our swashbuckling best today, of course. But that also means that 
when you do create chances, it puts even more impetus and importance on those chances. Lacazette, it's basically an open goal, mate. Like, you know, that that is the best opportunity of the game. So I'm going to need you to finish it. And as much as I've said, I think Lacazette should be starting up front for us based on our current options. And I, I, I stick by that. We have to do better now the market's open. We, we, got, we need someone. We need someone. And bringing on Eddie with 10 minutes to go at the end of every game, it's, it's sucking the life out of us because we know he's got no quality. And, and again, I don't want to bang on the guy, but there's not enough quality there. We, need to, we haven't got the luxury of taking 10, 12 games to get this right. We need backup. We need to be picking up maximum points in all of these games or our top four ambitions could get away from us really quickly. We, we need to watch out. Yeah, agree with all of those points. So I've got, I've got like a bit of a three-point plan for the hottest of takes today. Like, um, firstly, uh, we, we spoke about this months ago. We've got to improve the level of our bad performances. And I think we have because, you know, we, did, we didn't lose the game today. But there was no real identity out there. It wasn't clear that that was um, an Arteta team out there. It looked, uh, it looked predictable. Um, it, it, looked, it looked slow. Uh, it looked like the sort of thing that we we saw at the start of last season. So Arteta coaches them, he motivates them, and he picks that side. He's got he's got to be doing better. He's got to be doing better in that game. Um, our our kryptonite cannot be teams that are so bad. It's the story of the you know it's the story of the season. They have picked up eleven points this season. Um, they're off the back of um, like a horrendous run of COVID. Um, like in the first half, like they, w- w- I think it was Peters. He was so tired. He was coughing. He was coughing, you know, like they're the oldest team in the Premier League. And uh, we made them look experienced and, and talented. Um, the second point, we lost that game um, in midweek when Thomas Party picked up that red card. The fact that two of our, our two most experienced midfielders have picked up three red cards between them this January tells you that, yeah, those two are important players and they are good. But man, it's it's it, it's not good enough. That Thomas Party second yellow, it's so dumb. Granite Jacker, you know, twice in a month. It, 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 it absolutely kills you. And, you know, for everybody that says, I don't understand why Jacker starts, like today is, is point, you know, case in point. He sh- he, he'd show in midfield. Even if you have one of them next to Sambi Lekonga, um, you, you know, you're going to have a better performance and we're probably winning that game. So they're not having a first half that poor. And then the final one that I want to touch on, uh, and we will go deep on this. I, f- I feel like when you've got a young squad of players, uh, they are more susceptible to believing their own hype. And I think there's a few performances out there that make me think that some of these players are drinking their own Kool-Aid. Aaron Ramsdale is now officially in a dip. Worst clean sheet of the season so far. Uh, I hate his body language. I hate the sort of blame culture thing that he's got going on. And he's making he's making mistakes. Uh, and, and you can see that he doesn't look as confident as he did before. Didn't think Ben White was particularly good today. Gabriel at centre-back, awful. Didn't look like he wanted to go anywhere near Sambi Lukonga in the first half. Too many touches on the ball. Um, so I, I think that we've got uh, 17 days to rectify it. You know, it's it's a disaster result. Um, but not in the context of the season. You know, we've got uh, we've got five games after the break, phase six of the season. Uh, get ten points out of that, and we will be within spitting distance of top four. And then it's a it's a cup final run until the end of the season. But again, terrible January. I know seventy, you know, 60, 65 percent of the games were against top two sides, but just 
just not good enough. That was a shocking result. Um, but we are going to get right into the mixer of things. And I want to go into the first topic. Um, it seems that bad teams, really, really, really storied bad teams, uh, our kryptonite. I think a lot of Arsenal fans went into this game, just like the Everton one, really thinking that there was a 60, 70% chance of us not getting the result that we wanted. This feels like yesteryear when there was a beautiful opportunity that would present itself to Arsenal and Arsene Wenger's team would go out and get spanked by West Brom or Stoke. Um, Johnny, what do you think the problem is when we're playing absolutely shocking sides? Is it psychological? Is it preparation? Like, how can we how can we be so poor against a team that has only got 11 points so far this season and just had a massive COVID outbreak? Um, well, see, this is... In terms of when you analyse what this means for us, this this is the most negative part about it, I think. And that is that ultimately, as much as it, you know, we got to puff out our, puff out our feathers and you know really start to big ourselves up with gallant losses against um, uh, City and obviously that battling draw with ten men at Liverpool, and you think, oh, we're building towards something. The, the simple fact is, is we have to be able to see away these teams at home. And it really comes down to teams who are going to come to the to the Emirates with potentially a lack of ambition, you know, maybe knowing their own capabilities, like Burnley's, like other lower-in-the-league teams, um, and they're going to sit deep and say, come on in, if you think you're better than us, you have to break us down. It's, it, we've had this issue for years. You know, Wenger had it at, at points as well in terms of how to break down these deep-lying, uh, deep-block teams. And I think the idea behind what we're trying to do is use our pacey wingers in the likes of Saka and Martinelli um, and to be able to go up against, as you kind of hinted at, Pete, a, an old team that are not riddled with pace and to basically play off Lacazette as a pivot and have those runs in behind. But what one of the things I've said over recent weeks as well is the way that we're currently playing, we are putting a lot of emphasis on Saka and Martinelli to be good. Like If they're not good, suddenly a lot of what we do starts to slow down. And, you know, when you look at our bench, because sometimes people are going to have poor games. And, and I also understand that Pepe's at the African Nations having a good one by all accounts as well. Um, so could have provided, uh, you know, backup from the bench in, in usual times. But the fact is, is if those wingers aren't creating it, and I do like what Martinelli brings with his energy and he, his ability to take people on, but I just don't see enough goal threat from us. And I, and if you even look at these results that we've, you know, been quite pleased about recently, like we should have beat City overall, but realistically, we've still not scored goals in all of these games. And I think that, the the level of opposition has kind of papered over the cracks in some ways. I think the point that you're saying about um, Aaron Ramsdale as well, I, I couldn't agree more. Like you know how I've had an absolute you, you know revelation with uh, Aaron Ramsdale and become one of his biggest um, fans. A whirlwind affair, Johnny. A whirlwind yeah, affair. He swept me off my feet. But I, you know, I mentioned in the last one, I thought it was a dip. It's definitely a dip. He did, he looks. The one thing you can say about Ramsdale is he always got his distribution. Even though, but he does look a little bit more panicked there. But when he first came in, he was rolling the box, coming for claiming crosses all the time. Now he's dropping things, he looks panicky, and that sort of stuff spreads. Now, obviously, the other thing, if you want to plot any graphs, there's loads of things you can draw from. 
But we're really missing Tommy Asso in his calming presence as well, right back. I mean, what a player he is. But it, we look a bit more unsettled at the back. But what I'm more worried about is, you know, again, to double down on the fact that when our skill players don't play well, we don't look like we're going to break people down. And, and part of that is through not having an elite striker. We don't have one at the club. And so if Martinelli and Saka don't score, I thought Smith Rowe looked dangerous at times as well. But at the moment, we're trying to force all of these guys into the same team. And 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 for me, like, if anyone... I won't lay an into Laconga in a way that I still think he's a young player. He's got a lot of potential. But he looks like a big drop-off from Xhaka, minus the red cards. Do you know what I mean? And that's saying something. Xhaka looks like he, he adds a lot more to the a lot more to Arsenal in terms of the way that we play, quick releases than what Laconga is doing. And at the moment, if we don't get anyone in, I feel like the way that we're set up, we are not. You couldn't bank on us getting the amount of points that we're going to need to get top four because obviously, if you can't beat Burnley at home, it has to be concerning for all involved. Uh, Matt. Do you think that today is, do you think the analysis is as simple as, you know, if you don't have your two best centre midfielders in this current squad, there's going to be trouble? What do you, well, let's what, start, what do you let's put start, it down to? Let's start with that headline. I don't think bad teams are our kryptonite. I think good teams are. Because look at all the games we've lost this season. We've lost one game all season. If you take up Brentford, which was just an insane COVID whatever, I think, with Balogun starting... We've only lost, the only game we've lost to a bad team is Everton. That's it. Every other game we've lost is against a, a good team. United, like like in theory, United, Chelsea, City twice, Liverpool every time we played them. Um, so so bad teams aren't our kryptonite. That's that 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 that's not a, that's not correct. I don't think. I Attacking think it, the headline. Whew. Yeah, I just don't. I I think we're not good against against good teams. And the problem with that is we're actually really good against, we're actually generally very good against teams below us. And our whole position as a club is based on how well we've done against teams lower than us in the league. The problem is when you get nothing, like nothing, like not one point at home against any of the good teams, it means you can't have slip-ups. You just can't have a slip-up. And so it gets magnified, like the Palace draw. Uh, you know, um, this one. We've only drawn two games or three uh, three games now. So we're not bad. It's just you box yourself in when you can't get a plucky draw, even a plucky draw at home against anyone around you. We, 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 we None of the teams around us can are scared about getting, are scared about us and are scared about not getting all the points from us. They're scared we might put up a game, but ultimately the statistics demonstrate that they'll take all three points. So it's just it just becomes an imperative to win these games against lower opposition. And I don't know, maybe we just the first half looked like we thought we could just turn up. Um, and you know, it's Burnley, the bottom of the league. Of course, we can just turn up. We've we've given all these all these all these much better teams a, a, a run for their money, but we haven't. And you know, we've also we've outlaid a huge amount of energy this month. That you can't knock the commitment from the team. They've put every bit of energy in. But you have to look at it and go, to put that amount of energy in and, and not get a single goal, a single goal. 
We've got more red cards than goals this month. To not get a single goal all month. To not get a single point all month going into February. That's that's worrying. And it's not like Arteta out. It's just, it's shit. It's just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, maybe... If if that was the outcome, maybe we needed to rest players in the in the League Cup semi final uh, to get to win this game. You know, like sometimes maybe it just takes a turn of strategy because we've just basically taken every game as it comes and finished the month, and we haven't managed it well. Maybe well, we needed I- maybe we needed to put a better team out against Forest and go. You know what? The FA Cup is our only chance of winning something really because we're probably not going to beat Liverpool over two legs. You know? one, one other thing, Matt, as well, just as you're going through this, um, we also have to you know, pay some attention to the fact we're loaning players out. Now, uh, you, you know, Arteta can't have it both ways. If we can sit here and go, oh, he's trying to force the ball tan, that's fine. But you better get them players in because are you telling me Ainsley Maitland-Niles couldn't have played in, in a game like today and we couldn't have used him? What are we talking about? Midfield looked completely flat. When you look into the bench, you've got Charlie Patino as your best option. He's a kid. What? Where's the Where's the forward planning when you look at this situation when we seem so short-handed that Burnley at home can be an insurmountable proposition for us? That that that's that worries me. I think yeah, I was I was going to touch on this subject a little bit later, but it's uh, it it is it is extremely worrying that we basically. Uh, ripped out a load of players that could have picked up minutes and not, you know, you put you put Ainsley next to Sambi, maybe you've got a different outcome today. And, and like even more broadly, you look at Rob Holding. I love him, man, but he's 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 not he's not right for for this sort of setup. And you can see the weakness that immediately comes into the team. And I don't want to be part of the Saliba ultras. But um William William Saliba at this point looks like he should have been called back this month, right? We, we've got an emergency at centre-back. We've got an emergency at centre-back. We're having to, we're having to put Ben White uh, at right-back. And, you know, he does, a, he does a perfectly fine job there. But is this not the moment to be ruthless and, 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 and deal with the consequences of bringing uh, William Saliba back? Isn't the whole point of, of players out on loan that if they do really well and you need them because you've got a top-four push, you've got them at your disposal? And I know, like... Uh, I think Gwendozi soiled his reputation hard. But again, it's like he's a midfield option that's got Marseille in a really good position. And we don't have a single midfielder at the moment. We don't want to sign Jack Wilshire. And, you know, and I know, I know, I know, I know I shouldn't. But even today, uh, like Obama Yang, he's banished. But like, uh, you know, who, who's going to who's gonna finish that that Lacazette ball in, in better than, than him in the squad? What, is, what has Eddie Nketiah brought to any game that he's come on. Nothing. I don't even know why we keep on bringing Eddie and Ketter on. If he wants out, give Beerith a go. Put him on. He's fast. He's hungry. Like what's, what's the worst? It can be no worse than what we see from Eddie and Ketia every single week. So um, are, we, are, are we suffering, um, are we suffering uh, an, uh, uh, maybe a premature, uh, a premature loan e- ejaculation issue? We've we've bolted all of our players out, and and we've got we've got no no one coming in. For for me, the issue is this, right? Like in terms of you know, previously, obviously, I've been critical of Arteta, and I do think that we we've um, you know made strides forward. I've I've put that out there, but 
you know, for all the love we gave him, and rightfully so for our summer transfer business, which mostly looks good, although some of the, some of the shine on some of those assets is coming off a little touch. But, um, you know, we've started to give him credit for the fact that, oh, he probably does know what he's doing in terms of the transfer, business, uh, transfer dealings because we had such a good summer. But that's why I've afforded him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to loaning out these players. Because I'm like... Look, he's done a good job, and he and he seems like he's he's starting to get what we need to, you know, what we need in in the playing squad. He's getting the best out of players now, or, or more players than we're used to. But that's why it's so weird that he's loaning these guys out with no clear plan again, and we're back to: Are you actually thinking this through here? Because you're leaving us short-handed. I, I, you know, it's wonderful to hear you say it, Pete. But absolutely, breaking case, break glass in case of emergency, William. Get, mate, we've booked you an easy jet. Get over here now. Burnley on the weekend. Let's go. Oh, all right. I'm just, you know, pocketing messy. And Priority pass on the line. We've paid it up. You're on, exactly. you're on first, my friend. Exactly. Exactly. We bought you a beer on the easy jet trolley. We're, we're, we're classy like that. Get back here. There's no more Messi. There's no more Mbappe. There's Dwight McNeil. Okay. Dwight McNeil. Hold him up. Live with him. I, I think Saliba can make it, you know. And I'm being playful, but the reality is, is of course, Saliba can make a difference. And this is what worries me in terms of, um, you know, how everyone just assumes that it will come back. But if we haven't called him, maybe it's because, you know, some peace talks need to happen in the summer to make that, uh, make that play I out. I don't think that that's... I think if you said to Saliba, you can come and play for Arsenal and compete uh, with Ben White for a position, I think he'd be back in a shot. I mean, the guy wants to play for Arsenal and, you know, that, that's a that's that's a big, exciting project. I just don't understand why it's not on the table. You know, just like, nope. I don't understand a lot about the loan. Why would you loan Gwendozi to Marseille and agree the fee before you've seen what he can do? You obviously thought he was a talented player. Is he a £9 million player right now? Probably not, but he's, you know, he's got a guaranteed move. It's um, the loan The loan situation really doesn't make sense, but I guess... Arteta probably gambled his two centre midfielders wouldn't get three red cards in January. Yeah, bad, I mean, bad bet. Yeah, <laughs> I think just on that though, Pete. Like, and you know, I don't. I'm not saying that the relationship's completely soured with Saliba. I don't. All I'm saying is I don't know. But if that is not the case, then why have we not called him back? Because, as you said, there's no question that we could do with him right now. You know, he's, he's he's already performing better than Rob Holding is anyway. Get him back. Let's see. what We haven't got the luxury. You know, we're not like Chelsea where we can let these players all go out and loan and have good seasons because, you know, we're happy with our lot. We need to be putting our best foot forward. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to the transfer market, it, which is the only justification for the way that we're moving at the moment, that we've got these deals lined up seemingly, we have to be brave now and bold in the transfer market we, you know or, or recall players because we've got to get bodies back and we've got to get more quality back in the side because you know we've given ourselves the best chance by getting within touching distance by Christmas but we can't start fumbling now because the only thing that works in our favour is our lack of other competitions that we're going to be going for and the fact that our, our squad should be with, with the fact that they're quite young as well, fresh in the in the running. And we can't afford to be dropping points in games like this or, or we're going to run out of games and certainly not have enough points. So, well, I think, uh, um, I think, you know, Arsene Wenger always used to say, judge me in May. 
And I think we're, we're going to be able to, we've got in seven days, we're going to be able to judge the January transfer window. And if we get to the end of the January transfer window and we haven't bought anyone in, uh, at least a high quality midfielder who we can all agree is better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but ideally a striker as well. I think Arteta will have used up a lot of fan capital because we will look and we'll go, yeah, they got the transfer window right in the summer, but they really fucked it up in January because they let players go. They didn't have plans. We got given the runaround. And let's be honest, we're Arsenal fans. So we've all got PTSD. We all remember that summer where we traced Suarez and Higuain and ended up with Yaya Sinogo. And so this has all the hallmarks with Vlahovic of being given a run around the garden. And, you know, we're just, I still don't believe that we'd be stupid enough to spend all of this time pursuing him if we're not going to get him. But if we don't, if we don't, I personally am going to be very aggrieved that we've wasted so much time and effort and any, and any transfer target that I think we should have snuffed out earlier or negotiated better with. And we have to get a midfielder in. Does, doesn't it sit with, I mean, it, Arteta's job is not the administration of a transfer window. It's Edu, right? Edu is the guy that pulled the trigger on Thomas. But he's Martin. the manager as well now, isn't he, Arteta? Yeah, but like you know, if if you like, surely there is some sort of infrastructure in place. Like Edu is the man that is is the is the deal maker here, right? And he's and let's be honest, Edu's been fucking good at it, right? It doesn't like he he actually has never missed in a transfer window. He's missed with player quality, you know, the Pablo, Marie, and Cedric. But he he's does, got them in. He al- he's got them in. He always, he always pulls the bodies in, which is why I'm so surprised because I would have thought, you know, if you're if you're moving so many players out the door that you would have it nailed on. But it looks like we're, we'll probably get the um, the New England goalkeeper, mm. uh, Matt Turner, and uh, we're going to go on, come on to goalkeepers in a second. Um, but we desperately need a midfielder, and if we can't get Vlahovic, then let, let's make a let's make a move for a loan player. My one concern is that we will get panicked and we will go for a striker that is, you know, second, third, fourth option. And we could be in trouble. You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, like talented player, but those, those injuries are a concern. Ollie Watkins. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you're right. If, 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 if we, if we fuck this window when we're so close to top four, like it, it, it will reflect. It's not going to, it's not, go, it's not going to reflect well. And, Look, we have to we have to believe that we're going to pull something out of the bag, and it's going to be part of part of a plan. But to let these players go, with, with, you know, it's mm. it, it, it makes no sense until it, unless we were a hundred percent convinced that we had people coming in. It's, it's it's as simple as that. And you know, every day that ticks by, and I know that it's in a lot of the a lot, of, especially for Vlaovic team, would love a second. Uh, like a second suitor they'd love to push it to the last minute it's clear we're desperate it's pretty clear and it's it's never good being being desperate in any negotiation but it's not ideal for them yeah. to not have another person in so i just think we just need to need and i think that's what it sounds like the noises are we'll do whatever it takes we're, we're basically going to pay whatever it takes to get it done but if the player doesn't want to, if the player and the player's agent don't want to come, we can't do anything about it. In trouble, yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to a new topic. And this this one's going to be painful for Johnny. Uh, I think this is going to be painful for all of us because we are all at core Ramsdalians. We were converted, uh, but, 
you know, I think we're now uh, we're, we're now three games in. I think Aaron Ramsdale had uh, another. It was a bit of a disaster performance. He dropped some crosses. Uh, he looked flustered. Uh, I think some of his Hollywood passing uh, wasn't quite right. He was making bad decisions. He looks rattled. And then there's the news that Bert Leno will probably be going out on loan to Newcastle. And Arsenal were looking at the MLS MVP, uh, most valuable player, Matt Turner, who plays for New England. Uh, outrageous shot stopper, say 45% of penalties that he's ever faced. And I think he's, uh, I don't think he's a young goalkeeper. I think he's 27 years old. He's knocking on the door of the US men's national team. Um, and the rumor has it that he's been promised the opportunity to fight Ramsdale for his place. He's not coming in to be a number 13. Uh, guys, what is going on with Aaron Ramsdale? It's uh, things are not looking good for him at the moment. Is he believing his own hype? Is he having a typical dip in form or, um, is it something worse? Is it something more sinister? Matt, I'm going to go to you for this one. He kept a clean sheet. I mean, I don't think we need to say any more than that. And goalkeeper, you earn... This is the podcast and we must discuss what we see with our eyes. <laughs> but, you know, every, every sometimes you, you earn your luck, you know, and he's earned luck over the course of the season. And, um, and you know, the other game where we were criticising him a little bit was the first Liverpool game clean sheet um so do i think he's been at his best no but if this is a dip then these are the kind of dips i want my players to have because when fabianski's had dips he's throwing the ball into the net when which chesney's having dips he's having a fag in the showers you know so yeah i don't think he's at his very 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 best but if this is a dip then you know, we can we can have a few of these because he's got two clean sheets in the last three games. He's a strong personality. He's not the kind of guy to believe his own height, in my opinion. He it just doesn't come across like that. Everyone's he he's dealing with a team that has bereft of confidence. We haven't scored a goal. We've had three men sent off. You can't rely on your leadership. We've got a captain who's partying the night before and been sent home from Gabon. Like things are not all great. And you can't exp- and, and young players feel the impact of a lot of that stuff sort of more than more than older players. John Terry can just get on with it despite being on the front page of every newspaper for shagging his teammates uh wife. He doesn't doesn't bother him. But when you're a young player and there's all this stuff going on, I think it affects you. And I think if the team's low in confidence, it affects every single player. But he's fine. He's good. Two clean sheets in the last three. Clean sheet today. If we're worried about him, then yeah, I, I, I think we're, I think we're going crazy. Johnny, does Aaron Ramsdale need to get off that YouTube and onto that training pitch because things look shaky today? And I think Matt has got his, uh, his, his Ramsdale tinted glasses on at the moment. Do you see things the same? Um, <clears throat> somewhat, and and a little bit. I'm, I, I'm more worried. I don't know if worried is the right word. First of all, like Matt said, he's allowed allowed some bad games. Uh, you know, it's natural. Goalkeepers do do that, but. I think based on the level that we were starting to think that he was, you know, because and what he could do. First of all, I think his passing is here to stay. Of course, you know, every now and then you can hit a bum pass, but his range of passing, his technique is excellent for a goalkeeper. Hasn't changed. Um, It's, you know, what we thought that we had was a goalkeeper who looked constantly in control, constantly assured. you know, like I had a very good idea of what was happening in the game. And that's his composure, I guess, is what I'm talking about. 
that seems to have deserted him for three or four games on a bounce now. So let's get realistic. It's not just you've had a bad game. He's going through a funk. And when he comes for crosses two months ago or, or, or a month ago, we're not worried about it. We're literally like, oh, come on then. Come and claim that cross and let's get back to playing. Now, all of a sudden, he's coming out and you're like, whoa, is he going to hold that one? He looks a bit nervous. And so I don't think he's had a shocker today by any stretch. It's just that he looks like, you know, he's got more rough edges than what we perhaps thought at the start. The, the nature of it, look at the jumping level of, you know, of teams that he's playing for now. We expect you to be perfect every game. At, when you're playing for Bournemouth or Sheffield United and stuff, you can have bad games and they just disappear into the goop that teams like Sheffield United put out week in, week out. You know, poor performances. Um, but at Arsenal, obviously, the spotlight's on you. And, you know, we, we will look at mistakes and situations and we'll, and we'll, you know, constantly be assessing whether you're, you know, the, the person to be our solid keeper moving forward. I, I still love the guy and I love what he's done in terms of his personality and character and what that brings. And it, you could never question his commitment to be good. And I, I like Matt, I don't think, I don't get the sense of arrogance with Aaron Ramsdale. He looks like he he will always be committed and always try his best, you know, uh, rather than Leno at times looked like he was mailing it in. Ramsdale always looks like he's trying his best, but yeah, he's certainly having a little bit of um, a dip. And then hopefully, the longer he, once he comes out of this, and he will, um, he'll get back to looking a composed, dominant goalkeeper that we thought we had at the start. But, um, you know, it also doesn't help when there's been adjustments to the team further forward and suddenly we look a, a little bit more shakier. But obviously, you know, conceding goals today was not our issue, it was scoring them. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that we, I think, are, we're naive about, which is uh, when players do well, it's like we almost like help. We almost like get rid of the competition around them. You know, Smith Rowe had a great debut season. We gave him the number ten shirt. Personally, I think a more experienced team waits another year, keeps him on his toes. I think it's good that Smith Rowe's got Erdegaard as competition for his spot. But you know. We've made it very easy. We basically said to Ramsdale, you're number one and basically you can pretty much do anything you want and you're going to stay number one and Leno's leaving the club. And I don't think there's a, prof- there's, there's a sportsman in, 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 in professional sport who doesn't need competition to keep them pushing. It's why when you, have, when you race, you're so much better than you are in training. And I think sometimes we make it too easy for certain players. We, they know they're nailed on starters. And... I think we've we've slightly mismanaged the Leno Ramsdale. I think we could have kept it a little bit more competitive and made them both feel like they're both fighting for the number one spot a little bit more. Leno could have played against Liverpool. Uh, things like that that you know can breed complacency. Um, and I don't think. And I think we did it with Arteta. You know, we made him manager rather than keeping him as head coach. Smith Rowe, we give him the number ten shirt. We, you know, like it's it's these types of things. We we sometimes we reward people a little bit too early, and our standards are a little bit lower than than they would be at a top a top four club, where maybe you'd have to do it for a little bit longer or prove yourself a little bit longer. And that is the one thing I'd say about Ramsdale is is there any is there any competition? He can basically throw the ball in the net, and he's still starting the next game. I think the only I think the, the main thing that disappointed me a little bit today is 
he his body language has mostly been very positive for the team, but it felt like he was pointing fingers today a little bit. And I, I know the you know the start of Arteta's tenure, he spoke about body language on the pitch, and I wonder whether someone will speak to Ramsdale um, about it because it's not helpful when one of the best passers in the team is calling everybody out, um, especially when they're flapping at crosses and and are not dealing with things to their usual high standard. But again, you do have to remember, 23 years old, like these are really young players and they are going to go through ups and downs. They are going to let their ego get the better of them. Uh, Sometimes I just hope that he comes out the back end and starts hitting those high performance levels because we're definitely going to need it after the break. And um, after the break is what I want to talk about. I'm going to add uh, a little slideshow. Don't know whether Johnny's been. Johnny, you've seen this before in real time. It's the Arsenal Opinion podcast slides. Look at that. No, nice. I created that myself. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a look at the Premier League table. Boom. Oh. <laughs> this just got really high tech. Oh, didn't it, eh? If you're listening in the podcast at the moment, we are looking at the Premier League table. It's a live one. Um, at the moment, Chelsea and Spurs are, are drawing the game as we speak. So um, Arsenal yeah. are currently. Sorry, can sit- I just? Sorry, Pete, yeah. just to say to anyone listening on the podcast, basically what's happened because you won't be able to see it. We just took a big dump on Sky Sports News. Okay, we are better than them now. We've got visuals and we've just gone up a gear. So yeah, sorry, Pete, back to you. Moving things up, uh, up a level, and that's what we, you know, we're always up leveling in this podcast. We're always improving. Um, so we are looking at the Premier League table at the moment, and Arsenal currently, after twenty-one games, are on thirty-six points. Um, we now uh, sit behind Spurs, who are uh, like in the table that we're looking at on, on 37 points, having played um, one less game than us. Like, guys, when you're looking at the Premier League table at the moment, the Burnley game was a missed opportunity, but not quite yet a disaster. Um, how, how are you feeling about where we are at the end of January? I mean, um, is, is this promising? Is this where we expected to be after, you know, before the season started, would you have been happy to be um, this close to top four? Um, it, it, well, it's a bit of a mixed bag. When you look at that league table, the there are some things that you would feel more positive about based on the fact of the teams we've played, where we've played them. Uh, we've had those hard, we've had more hard games in the first half. And, you know, at least in theory, our running should prove to be a little bit easier. I mean, there's no question about it. It just already seems like the writing's on the wall that that postponed Tottenham game will just keep getting kicked around towards the end of the season and end up, I think, ended up being like a play-in to get in top four, you know, like winner takes all. And it could end up being the craziest North London derby in, you know, years. But there are team, there are different teams above us that, um, you know, would elicit different feelings in terms of how we'd feel with regards to whether it's a success or not. I mean, the fact is, is if we win our game in hand, which based on our overall performance this season, there's a good chance we would because we tend to beat, as Matt said, the teams below us. Um then we'd move above Man United on the same amount of games. Man United are going to be there or thereabouts for top four. There's no question about that. Um, and we'd also move against, we'd move above West Ham if we um, win our games in hand over them. The problem is Tottenham sit there, horrible club, um, sit there directly above us. And they've played less games and got more uh, one more point already. So they can move four clear if they win their game in hand. But obviously that's the one going on right now against Chelsea. And you'd like to think they're going to drop points there. 
uh, hopefully uh, pick up no points today. So we are within reason around about where we need to be. So I'm, I'm fine with that. But the issue is, and this is why I'm saying, look, ring the alarm. We need backup. You know what I mean? Get Arteta, mate. Get your mates down here now. We need backup because we can't lose any more ground. Right now, we're in a position where we can strike with a good run. We had a little stutter. Other teams will stutter. But we can't let this stutter turn into a slump because we haven't got a slump in us. Like Our league position doesn't carry that. We haven't built up uh, the points tally to be able to, you know, go on a, a funky run for a couple of months and still salvage it at the end. And so th- w- the league position is, you know, by no means, uh, 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 you know, a disaster. But it do- what it does tell you is that we need to end the season strongly. There's no other way we're going to get top four out of this. We have to, you know, look formidable in the, in, in the running. And I'm not sure, based on the, the players that we currently have, we're going to have enough right now. I, I feel like we, just watching the team over the last month, I don't think anymore that we've got enough within the squad to get us over the line. I think we are going to have to go into the transfer market. And other, otherwise, the business we've done recently with loaning our players out is going to look more and more glaring, like a glaringly bad decision. So, you know, the, the onus is on us now to really pick it up and quickly. Matt, yeah. when you look at that table, uh, you were you were pretty confident that top four should be the goal this season. Um, yeah. When you look at that table right now and the teams involved in the run for top four, um, how confident are you now that we can make top four? Um, not 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 confident. Um, I was confident, but um, not definitely definitely less confident after today because. It's really a. It, I thought it was going to be a, a, a shootout between ourselves and Spurs, but United have got themselves back into it, and I think Johnny's right. I think they're going to be a, there or thereabouts because they've just got too much individual quality, even if the team structure itself is is a bit of a mess. So it's 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 between us, Tottenham, and United, and and and, and that's doing West Ham a disservice. But I, I just can't see them staying the course, but. I can't see us like if, I can't see us getting get, getting on top of both of those teams. I think Conte has got Spurs very very organised. I think they're coming into form as we're coming out of form, and that's the wrong way around. Given where the where the where the window's looking, so yeah, it's 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 concerning. And I and I think the truth of the matter is we're just out of gas. We just haven't got enough bodies. We, we're out of energy. The seventeen day. Now may be the opportunity to fill the gas, fill, fill the tank up with gas. One of the things that we always talk about is progress. We're always like we're progressing, we're this, we're that. But the one thing that we don't do is when we're talking about our progress and our players getting better and this happening and that happening, we never ever take into account that other teams are also progressing. We never do. And I think Conte has got Spurs progressing as a team faster than we're progressing as a team. I don't think it's a long-term vision. I think it's a short-term vision. But in terms of improving the team to get results, he's doing more for that team than Arteta is doing for us right now. It's just a, it's just a fact. And I'm worried about our ability to go toe-to-toe with them over the next 17 games. I think we're light. I think we're out of gas. We need, we need a statement. We need a Vlahovic. I don't. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket, but we need to say 
no, 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 no. We're in it and we're going to fight you every single step of the way until fourth. Not, we're going to do what we can. We're going to try our best. We've got a young team. We've got a young squad. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a great chance. It's us v Spurs. And if you think we're going to back down an inch, then you're, you're crazy. We've just invested 70 million and we're going all out and we're going to make Spurs look like mugs. That's the way it's got to be. Um, and so we've got to, we've got to really, really go for it, but have to, have to do reinforcements, have to get lucky and ultimately going to have to beat Tottenham at White Hart Lane. And if we do that, then I think we can get fourth, but that's a big yeah. if. I, I am not sure. I, I've watched lots of Spurs over the last month or so. I don't, I don't think Antonio Conte is moving Spurs that far ahead. What but they it, are it, doing is they're winning, they're, winning in, they're winning in the margins. Yeah, but it's about confidence because if you remember in 1998 when we won the league, we won about seven games playing shit, 1-0. And then, but 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 the act of getting results, the act of winning games breeds confidence. And then you hit form and then it's scary. And then you start winning 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. 5-0. And so sure. don't underestimate it because it's our, we're, we've done the opposite. We've actually played well and got nothing. But then the knock-on effect of that is there's been an erosion of confidence, and you saw it today. So we didn't have the we didn't have the the confidence to get us over the line. So yeah, um, um, we have to have to bring in reinforcements. Otherwise, this table is going to be is we'll, 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 we'll end up in we'll end up in seventh. End up tattoo, sixth. Tattoo it on our arm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, just to, just to quickly piggyback off the back of that, Pete. Um, I, I, I agree with what Matt's saying. And this is why, for me, when I say about we need to go into the transfer market, this is our opportunity. We cannot mess around. Like, we have benefited from a Man United in disarray this season, Tottenham, who've sacked their manager, playing like absolute dog shit for half the season, Harry Kane misfiring, looking like he wants away. Currently, Sun is out, you know. And, and this is why what Matt's saying, I, I think, I actually kind of agree with both of you. I don't don't think that Tottenham have been playing that well, well, previously, but they look like they're finding form and they look like they're clicking. And what worries me, we've had half a season with Harry Kane looking like a standard Premier League striker. If he regains his normal form, we can't keep doing what we're doing or they'll just blow past us. And, you know, we're hoping that Chelsea win today. If Chelsea win today, they're going to go away from us as well. And if... Harry Kane and Son comes back and they start firing. We can't just expect to be doing what we're doing now. We need an injection of energy and we need to start looking dangerous again because whilst the start to the season has put us in a in position to achieve our goals, I don't think it's just more of the same. It's actually a case of now we've got to put our foot on the accelerator and w- there will not necessarily be a better opportunity than this for years to come. And yeah. it may also be you know, quite quite well twinned to Arteta's fate as Arsenal manager. Because well, if we don't get it, it's not a success for him. It's not good yeah, enough. And, right. and one other thing, I mean, you don't get top four with a striker who can't score goals. You have to have a striker scoring goals. The only team in living history who managed to get top four with major striker issues is Chelsea. But they had players like Eden Hazard who could score 15, 20 goals. So I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to get over the line because Aubameyang's been ostracised. Lacazette can do uh, some stuff, but he can't score. Eddie's useless. And so, but we're going to need, we need 20 goals in the back half of the season from whoever's mm. playing up top. Can I, so, can I just say one thing as well, um, Pete, because I know you want to come in. Um, 
the, earlier on, you made a point, and and I, and I don't disagree with you, but there is another side to it. When you said, you know, um, we don't want to panic buy. Now, I understand where you're coming from with that. And what we have done in previous times is panic buy, panic bought, and we end up with an asset that essentially is like a millstone around our neck. The problem is, from an uh, attacker's perspective, we don't need one attacker. We need at least two. We are so sure. I mean, that... We're looking like Lacazette. Lacazette's, most of the fans were ready to see Lacazette walk out the door. Now he starts every week. So if you tell me that we can't necessarily get the main striker who's going to be our talisman for the next 10 years, the next Henri or Burkamp or something like that, then I'm saying I want you to sign our backup striker now because we need him now. So if you, we're going to need two strikers. If it ain't Vlajevic or someone of that ilk, then I want someone in who's going to be back up to the Vlajevic or whoever character who might come in in the summer. But we need them right now because we need the bodies and we don't carry a threat. And as Matt said, if you don't score goals, you're not getting top four. If you don't get top four, the manager's decision-making, as well as the infrastructure, is going to get called into question again. But the the only people that have turned this into Arsenal should finish top four this season... Uh, Arsenal fans the, were saying that it was it was going to be dead by November. Like the 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 goal of the 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 goal of the club is Europe this season, top four next season, title challenge the season after. So Arsenal don't. But have there's, money. But, there's, but facts change, and I think that's a really important thing. Facts change, and what we didn't expect this season, we had uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer having a really good end to this last season. We thought United were going to be potentially challenging for the title. Potentially. We always knew they weren't going to get close, but we thought they could improve. The other thing, Spurs hired Nuno and there was no reason to suggest that they weren't going to have a, a decent season. And they managed to hold on to Harry Kane and, and the like. The reality in the first half of the season is that is that our two biggest rivals for fourth had massive upheaval. Massive upheaval. Both got rid of their coaches both have had major issues with top players. Both have had poor first halves of the season. And because of that change in fact, it has meant that the door is open for fourth and, and that and the just circumstances change. And I think that's why we're now talking about it. Not because, you know, we're, we're changing our expectations because we've got every right to because the two biggest competitors have had one of the two of the worst half seasons in recent history for them. Yeah, but I, t- but we we've changed what our expectations are. Like the, the the club has to stick to whatever their strategy is, right? So blowing money on top four um, for somebody that isn't our primary target um, for a, for a club that doesn't have a lot of money, um, it, like would would not be smart to me. Get a loan, but because then Johnny next season we'll be saying why can't Balogun get a game? Oh, because we spent a load of money on you know, the equivalent of a, a Giroud. Yep. Then we've got Vlahovic and then there's no path forward um, for a player like Balogun, who everybody feels like has the potential to bang at some point. Um, I, th- I think that if we if we get through like the next five games and I've got one of the games here wrong, like the Wolves game is the hardest game of this batch, without a doubt. They're the sleeper club that are coming up behind everybody else. They'll have a go at us. Um, and that game is away straight after the break, but at least we'll have our two centre midfielders back. But out of this batch of games, like we're back to where we were in uh, October. You need to get 12 points out of those 15. Get 12 points out of the 15 
and then you are in a straight run to the end of the season. Um, you know, the, the games that are, are settled here, we, we haven't got Chelsea in this mixer, but even in this batch of games that are listed, you know, you beat Man United, you are, you, you know, you are taking a swipe at a top four rival there. You beat West Ham, you are taking a swipe at a top four rival. And Man United are winning in the margins at the moment because they have a lot of quality, but I still think they leave, they leave a lot of open space I don't think they're defending very well. I don't think the the team is suited to Ralph Ranić's um, vision. And then what what will be interested in this last batch of games is you've got Spurs, Liverpool, and Chelsea, which are TBD at the moment. They they actually turn into cup finals. You know, ga- these are games that we haven't expected to win. But if you win two of those three games, you've got a really high chance of finishing in the top four. So I'm not trying to I'm not trying to dampen expectations. I'm just trying to say that the 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 club's the club's vision for this season is top six. Anything more is is a stretch goal and a win. It shouldn't now be like, well, if he doesn't get top four this season, then uh, then his job's under threat. Why would he? You know, why would his job be under threat? To, you know, Thomas Tuchel is playing because, at, at Chelsea at the it, moment. He's because because he hasn't ach- his job would be under threat because he hasn't achieved anything. <laughs> like for all but he of has this if the positive- objective was top six. It's only, yeah, it's only I, you. You've changed your opinion on what what the objective of the season should be. Like we, no, we no, thought no, he was going to get fired in November, and now we're no, saying no. that the youngest team in the league should should, I, my, should the, finish the one, fourth. I would say one of the only one of the, not the only people, but a person who hasn't changed his view of what success would be is myself. I've always said we have to get top four this year. I thought Arteta should have been sacked last year. I thought he earned it, and I said if they're going to go with him, then. This is to 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 show for it to be progress. We have to get top four this year. You know, we've we've invested money. His ideas have to be getting through to the players now. I've been encouraged. The reason why I've softened to Arteta and warmed to him is because of two things. Number one, our business in the transfer markets, which previously case matters like Willie Ann and uh, uh, etc. He he gave me no confidence in him. There was I had no confidence in him based on his work. He changed that with the summer transfer business. The other aspect is it looks like his ideas are getting through to some young players and it's exciting now to see their potential. The likes of Martinelli, Saka, Erdegaard looks like a smooth move and it looks like they could be building towards something. But that doesn't mean that I now accept everything that he does. Like, for instance, I've gave him the benefit of the doubt with these loan moves. If we don't sign someone soon, I'm back to going, is he thinking right? Because we we can't have done all this good work to give ourselves a chance. Because what, what we're trying to avoid is making sure that we're tied to someone who, you know, isn't going to bottle it, find different ways of fluffing his lines at, at different junctures in the season. Right now, we're still looking back as the FA Cup being the biggest success he's done. Now we're talking about Project Youth. But you have to, what did we say in previous ones? You have to punctuate um, processes with success along the way to give everyone belief, the players, the fans, everyone. If we just fall short of goals, I mean, you know, it was when he came in, our goal was to get top four. And then he won us the cup. We were like, oh, yeah, we're on our way. Last year, we were talking about telling William we wanted to win the Champions League with him. And we were abysmal. So hence the reason why I'd completely lost faith. If we are to believe that we are back on course and this isn't just going to be a, a flip-flap you know, uh, regime under Arteta where we just go up and down roller coaster times, then we have to properly progress in the league. The, the only 
way there'd even be an argument is if we had a gallant loss with regards to top four. Like if we got fifth, last game of the season, you know, maybe a couple of things go against us, but we're seeing that progress in our young players. If we start to fake now, who's got confidence? Arteta always had to the end of the season. That's what I said 100% from what I picked up. But for us to be fully bought into what we're doing overall, we need we need to we need to deliver. I think there's I think we've spent. I think I think there's one thing right, which is because because I, I said something like this on Twitter and someone came back and said, "Oh, you think Arteta out if he gets sick?" That's and I was like, "I don't think it's Arteta out if he gets sick. I don't." But I think that it does then ask the question where there is more of an inquest at the club around why did we get sick when there were probably levers to be pulled where we could have got higher. And I think that if we get sick this season, we will all look back and go, we missed the opportunity to get fourth. We did. Because you've got to look at those fixtures and go, we will get fourth this year if we beat Spurs, if we beat Manchester United, and if we do our stuff against lower clubs. So if we don't get fourth, it means we fell again in very familiar ways against key rivals exactly and, and so you have to look at it a little bit like that and you have to then at the end of the season have an inquest and go did we manage the January transfer window right did we manage in-game management right did we handle the Obama thing Obama Yang thing right and hopefully we'll look back and we'll go you know what when at the key moments when we made key decisions around key personnel we made the right decisions but there's nothing wrong with going at the end of the season the opportunity was there to do better. What do we need to hire different backroom staff? Do we need to look at our recruitment? Do we, if you're not pushing yourself and challenging yourselves, because let's make no mistake, the opportunity is there to get forth. The opportunity is, and I'm not saying we are, but you know that, you know that Arsene Wenger in, you know, not even prime Arsene Wenger, post prime Arsene Wenger, when he's in this place where we are right now. Fourth is guaranteed. Yeah. It was guaranteed from here on in. You know, even when we were 12 points behind Prime, Prime Arsene Wenger didn't have this level of competition around him. You know, we went at three games in hand with level points with Chelsea. We spent 100 million on a, on a striker this Just summer. To... And, and we're currently talking about the fact that we have, no, we don't have a striker that can score a goal. Our captain is out partying in Dubai, uh, getting COVID and, you know, having COVID parties at the start of the season. Uh, we've got no midfield, and, uh, and and we're probably going to have to rely on loan moves uh, to make but anything who, happen. Who's that's, that's that, a, Pete? Who's it's, the fault, that? It's, the, it's the fault of ten years. It's the fault of not having three hundred million to spend in the summer. Like you, you, you have to be realistic about where we are. We've got the youngest team in the Premier League. We're in a good position at the moment. But like, if he doesn't get fourth this season, I don't think we can say, "Well, like we had the same opportunity that Chelsea did." Or uh, or Spurs did, you know. I, I I just don't think we're there squad wise at the moment. I do think it's an opportunity, but I think when we start saying, well, you know, if it doesn't hit top four, well, what, what do you want? Like Th- Thomas Tuchel is is peak rock star manager at the moment, and he's he's you know he's not getting the turnout of Chelsea that he would. He won't win the league this season. He finished third if he's lucky, and um, he's got a much better squad than us. I'm like, where do you go if you're like, well, get rid of Arteta and who are you putting in? To, no, I don't think it's, and that's I think that's the point. It's not let's get rid. of of Arteta but it's also let's let's have goals and dreams and and hold ourselves accountable to them because if we say our goal is sixth and stretch goal is fourth you know where we'll end up sixth or seventh 
if we say our goal is fourth because we've revived, we've, it's like having a, a forecast for a business. You know, we've had a good start to the year. We can get fourth. That needs to be the goal now. We need to go for it. We can't, exactly. we can't hold ourselves back and go, oh, well, we still, let's stick to what we thought at the beginning and be conservative. It's no, we've got ourselves in a great opportunity. Let how do we throw the kitchen sink at this? This is our new goal. Let's make it happen. And I think that's what we're trying to say that we need to see. I I I, I just I just I, think I do think there's this are people in the comments. Pedro, you're blind, you just don't want to set any targets. And it's like, listen, mate, just saying a target, just saying, oh, it's top four, I've got standards, it's top four. Fuck off with your standards. It's not it's not true, it's not realistic. The the the, the target this season is top six. That is Arsenal side. So anything more is a stretch goal. We can't just change halfway through. You know, they, they will be gunning for top four. I'm just trying to say that if we don't hit top four, the, the plan and the structure and the way that we've built the squad is that it bangs and it's title contending in two years. And then you can say, Arteta out. If, you know, if he's not top four next season, then we can say Arteta's out. But like we are, we are shifting goalposts, but not looking at the reality of having the youngest squad in the Premier League. And I think that that should be a consideration. I, I agree. I agree. It should be a consideration, but um, we also have to. And again, we're, we're not we're not there right now. Overall, I think you know there's no point in doom mongering right now because we we are where we are until the end of the year in terms of our leadership, and that's what we're going to do. But also, you know, we have to be realistic with, as Matt said, where where we've got to and the opportunity that lays it ahead of us, and also, you know. We we didn't tell Arteta to not go for it's not what the one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit with our assessment of Arteta when we say oh we've got the youngest squad he chose to pivot to a youngest squad after what eighteen months is this no, a, this was never the club, his overall the club the club chose to pivot because what we were doing before fine. wasn't working and it's, it's that, the right strategy fine. that's fine and I'm happy that we have done that but what I'm saying is we had eighteen dead months of doing nothing yeah Agreed. of course one yeah, so Agreed. so. I'd, Arteta, in general, and uh, you know, and and the club in terms of their leadership, don't start from a neutral zone when they go. We're going to pivot to kids because why didn't you do that before? Like I have to. My issue is it's not even that the people in charge, whether it be the manager or the people above him, have no talent or no, you know, they could never get to get us to where we want to. But you know, you have a finite amount of time to get stuff done. Arteta's not going to have 15 years to get this right without, unless we win trophies along the way. You have to deliver checkpoints along the way. And I think from where we are, it's only going to get harder to achieve the goals we want to do unless we get over the line. At the moment, it seems like KSE want to invest or have done in the summer. We have to strike when the iron's hot. Because right now, if you're, if you're thinking from a betting perspective, our odds of getting what we want which would be a real, you know, line in the sand, top four, they're pretty decent. If, you know, they, they're, it, it's in our hands at the end of the day. Next year, the odds might be completely different. Man United might have sorted their lives out. Tottenham might have, you know, they've got a, a quality manager who, who's getting them at least picking up results, even, the, you know, and I think they will start to play better. So we do have to start, you know, Arteta's had a long time to get his ideas through to the players. If he wants to keep loaning players out, I need to see bodies coming in. I need to continue to feel like the powers that be, all of them, not just Arteta, are still in control of the situation. And the last couple of games have made me feel, and things happening off the pitch, like we're maybe losing a bit of control. And that is what is uh, probably unsettling to more fans than just myself. 
Yeah, look, I I I agree the the if if we come out of this transfer window and we've just exited players that aren't of the standard and we didn't we didn't backfill there's a problem and I, and I am shocked that that we let players go without having like immediate solves um right away um because it's like well what are you trying to do here is this a is this an admin error or is this a statement did you try and make a statement that I don't have was the bench today a statement to the powers that be because we know that big managers do that and I'm not saying Arteta is a big manager but Mourinho would do something like that but Mourinho would make sure he beat Burnley you know Peak yeah. Mourinho, anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maitland Niles could could have gone today. You know, he. It's just, it's still January the twenty third. We could easily have kept Roma treading water the way we've been made to tread water on everyone on all our deals. You know, no one's no one's helping us out and getting them in early. It, it's bizarre. But if they do get, if you if and here's the thing. Here's oh, how if the, we, the if we if, if you get Vlahovic in. If we get him in, just, then 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 and it's, I think that's the other thing is it's not just about the player on players on the pitch. It's about the sense of ambition, the sense that we're going for it. That that is that is so important. And you have to remember that some of what we're saying may not be fair, but it's because of the amount of scar tissue we have as Arsenal fans, the amount of times we've been let down. So. It, that's part of playing into it. It's like, how many times do we get our top target? Let's be honest. It's like the whole Vlahovic thing. I, I think I tweeted, I said, it's not the despair that, that kills you. It's the hope. It's this sort of belief that we that, that we still think and, and everyone else is probably laughing at us going, you're never going to get him. It's so <laughs> obvious. You're not going to get him. And we're still talking about it. And that's painful. It's painful. But, you know, like you said, if, if I would say if we get a big signing in, like like him, like a, even like a Jonathan David, anyone like that. Fourth is on, mood is up. We're going for it. We're good. We're just we're, we're off the back of a very very poor result. The squad is out of gas. But yeah, the striker it, is the big lift because we forget we do have two midfielders perfectly capable of seeing us through to fourth. I think yeah. Jack Rampati is fine. The striker though, our you striker know, position Johnny's is, point earlier. Lacazette's got to bury that. Lacazette's got to bury the first one, or at least hit the target. He doesn't even hit the target these days. He just does, and and, and I'm just bored of it. I'm bored of seeing him like foraging around. It's like it's just not good enough. And I know I, I, you two have been bigger fans of Lacazette than me, but I think he was overperforming like in December, and now this is his sort of standard level. And look, he's got good link-up play, but or whatever, but. We need a striker who can score goals. <laughs> and at the moment, it's just... And then you look at, at, at um, Obama Yang's behaviour. I mean, how can you bring that guy back in to the fold with what's been going on? He's been partying the night before big games and apparently he was sent home for disciplinary rather than medical reasons now. But this, this, is the thing, to... this is the thing, Matt, right? And, you know, in terms of my appraisal of uh, Arteta, Pete, as well... One of the reasons why I've been encouraged lately is I thought that one of the things I should start and and phrase it like this. One of the reasons why I wanted him gone before was because he kept making the same mistakes and he didn't seem to learn from the mistakes. One of the reasons why I've been encouraged lately is it seemed like not only his transfer business in the summer, but the way that he's been managing his players, it looked like he'd learned from those lessons and he was getting certain problem area like like Obama and getting him out of the team, and we were 
suddenly looking like we've got a, a, a squad of committed players playing to a system. We're not always going to be brilliant, but overall, it looked like there was a plan in place. When Aubameyang went, there was no Arsenal fans going, oh, we need him playing in the team. You know, it looked like Arteta had control of things, even though it wasn't ideal having your, you know, extremely expensive striker, you know, away from the team. It looked like there was a reason for doing everything. The issue now makes me, it just makes me think, what the fuck's going on? Because when people start talking about, is Aubameyang coming back in the team? It's like, that would be so... It would be so chaotic. It would be so, you know, um, a, a, a representative of a, a chaotic space if they went, if he went back on that. It and would be very is, Emery. It'd be very Unai Emery. He did the same be. thing and it tanked. Which is why, what I'm saying is, we've got to sign someone. They've got to show us that there was a plan for what, what is going on. Because otherwise, right now, it's not just one bad result. We're going to have another bad result before the end of the season. It's... When you can't get the job done against Burnley at home and you're playing players who look like they shouldn't be starting for Arsenal, you know, you've got a question. What's going on here? Who's fought this out? And our, our striker situation has to get sorted. This is what I'm talking about. I don't mind if he's our, we sign our backup striker for the next few years in January, but you've got to sign someone and we can't just keep continuing with either Lacazette or asking Aubameyang to come back and all is forgiven. That won't work. It won't wash with the Arsenal fans. We'll all see through it because it will be representative once again of a chaotic workspace with decisions that flip-flap around, which is exactly the kind of thing that I don't want in the leadership at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I, these, uh, you know, what, what have we? We're basically seven, seven eight days out from uh, the, the end of January. and. It feels like we've done a lot of um, a lot of shifting out. You've got to bring in names, and also, you know, it's going to be that that um, the team is going to need a lift on this trip to Dubai. You know, Johnny did a little scouting mission there last week, uh, checking out where they're going to be staying. But the 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 reality is, the team's going to need a lift because seventeen days thinking about how you couldn't beat Burnley is a really really long time. Uh, but if you've got a Vlahovic there, if you've got a Jovic, if you've got uh, anybody, any new names, that gives everybody a lift. Players get as excited about new players coming in as we do. It's just that it's yeah. just it's just a fact. It's you know new people in the team that are going to elevate. Um, but it just it, I, I, I guess this is because I guess the problem that we're having is Arsenal shifted all their players out early. Um, but the reality is most clubs shift out towards the end because they want to map. You know, if you've got Vlahovic in the side and you've got seven games in January, you want to use him for all seven games. So I think that we'll see some movement towards the end. I just hope they've got it right, because I feel like they're 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 gambling, they're taking risks here, and um, I feel it's I, over if we don't bring in anyone. I feel like there's a transfer window special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim White, we've already, we've got graphics now, haven't we, Pete? Eh? We, we, we have. We're going to give them a run for their money. Um, Get some yeah, Bira, you know, Bira Morettis in and spe- see the night. Special out. guest, William Saliva. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen him. I've seen him. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, your deadline day special would be funny. We might have to. We might have to. Look, the fact is, is, you know, it's so weird that we say that as well. And, and I think we're right in terms of, I think you're bang on the money there, Pete, in terms of giving the squad a lift. It would be an energy boost for, for the whole squad. And, and, and also... In terms of when we think, think about fatigue, right, 
one of the things that players get in terms of their fatigue is mentally tired. And it will impact younger players more than old players who've learned over the years of how to manage that. And I'm thinking particularly in creative areas. We have a squad that is set up where we put so much onus on young players to be creative or we can't create anything. And when they start to mentally fatigue, we look toothless, which is why sometimes that's why you bring someone in who makes decisions for you. But, you know, a striker who, who adds something with dynamic runs, with better finishing, and it gets everyone's brains ticking over again. Um, you, you know, we come alive. It, it, you know, it's, 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 na- it's natural. At, at some point, they, they have to energise, because at the moment, it might be one game, but we're a little flat now, a little deflated. They have an opportunity to give us energy again, and they don't even have to kick a ball to do it. Go and get some people in. Get it done now. There's no excuses. If we don't achieve our goals because we haven't committed in January, you know, heads will roll. <laughs> There's no yeah. other way to say it. It's, it, it, it's glaring right now. So um, I just I, I just want to flag one more comment before we tap out. Uh, Benjamin Rose. This is when people take it to extremes after games. Arteta doesn't respect creativity and talent. Benjamin, I'm sorry to call you out here. Are you, are you kidding me? Bakayo Saka, Martinelli, Erdegaard. Creativity is not our problem at the moment. And I'll just draw everybody to a little statistic because when Arteta first took over, we'd averaged 9.5 shots per game. It was the dark ages when it came to creativity. Arsenal, as of today, um, uh, have the third most shots per game in the Premier League. 14.8. We're above Chelsea, Leeds, Man United, West Ham and Spurs. Um, so creativity is not the problem. Putting the ball in the back of the net is the problem, which I think is the exact theme of this whole thing. We need a striker and we need someone to, 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 to finish. But quite striking though, right? Third most shots in the league. I mean, things are ticking up. It's just so frustrating how much we leave on the table in a game like that because really there were two or three chances that a good striker would have buried, right? So the, the, the mission is set for January, right? Get yeah. a striker. Yeah, and, and some, we've got Benny here in the comments. We've got to shout this one out. It's um, Don't worry about Vlajevic, essentially. It's a pipe dream. Haaland has a £68 million release clause. Activate it. Roll the dice, you know. Yeah, we don't need pipe dreams like Vlajevic. Let's go for Haaland. <laughs> Come in, mate. This is sitting. This I like is it. This is, thinking, this is this is what you've got everybody doing now. now I love this. I think it's thinking big. Thinking big. That's it what we is, need to do. <laughs> <laughs> agree, agree, agree. Thank you for that comment, Benny. Okay, so um, Johnny, um, where on the internet or the world of podcasts can we find you if we weren't listening to the Arsenal Opinion Podcast? I repeat. Um, so, at, as always, at I Johnny Cochran uh, on all my socials. Do follow me; they're always welcome, and we can chat Arsenal. And you can keep abreast of other Johnny Cochran news. Um, I've also I'm on the latest um, Russell Kane's Evil Genius podcast. We're debating the monster that was Cecil Rhodes. Um, I'm also on the Prince episode earlier on in the series. And, yeah, doing a few bits and bobs for BT Sport as well, which pop up. You may have seen on my Twitter. That was very funny. That Man City Liverpool thing you did. Really good. (laughs) Russell Kane just hanging out with the big names. Your big celebrity names. Oh, you know, it's oh, just, you know. They're, not, they're not, they're just mates. It's not a, just, it's not a problem. <laughs> um, Matt Candela, you've been uh, you've been getting some serious clout on the Twitter lately. I've been seeing some of your tweets catch fire. So I'm guessing um, you might want to tell people where to find those fire tweets. He's muted himself. Too shy. You're muted, Matt. Yep. 
Uh, yep, follow me at, at Matt Candela uh, on Twitter. Definitely uh, going to be a, an exciting few months. So excited to, to talk with more people and get more perspectives and views on Arsenal. Awesome. So if you are listening to the podcast, you know where to go. Get onto iTunes, give us a five-star rating, leave a nice comment about the show. And um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a big break. So I guess we'll be back for transfer deadline day and we'll do a special then. And then we've got to work out what we're going to do uh, while the Arsenal are away in Dubai. Thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for watching the videos. We love you all. Uh, and on that note, I will say ciao for now. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.